Warning, this podcast contains adult language and spoilers. Sorry. Hi, welcome to Fantastic Rants. Where can you find them? Right Right here. here. And welcome back to Fantastic Rants. I'm Eric. I'm Severa. And today we're going to be talking about deleted scenes and the film's director, David Yates. Yeats. (laughs) Okay, um, so first we're going to go through this article by ScreenRant.com. Gotta call that ScreenRant. (laughs) Yeah, lots of ScreenRant articles probably in this podcast because they're the only ones that care about Fantastic Beasts, really. Apparently. That and YouTube videos, but like, that's a whole other thing. Um, Maybe later. Wink. (laughs) Okay, so this article is titled, just in case you ever want to look it up, Fantastic Beasts 2's Important Deleted Scenes Revealed by Trailer. That's a kind of awkward title, but... It's hey. by Hannah Shaw Williams. Thank oh, you, yeah. Hannah. Shout out, Hannah. <laughs> okay, so I'll just start. Um, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, introduces a number of important new characters, jumps from New York to Scotland to London to Paris, and sets up plot threads for the upcoming sequel. So it's a little wonder that the movie has a few deleted scenes. Reviews have criticized the sequel to 2016's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them for being overstuffed, but the movie's trailers offer a glimpse <laughs> at what ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I will second that it is very much overstuffed. What? It is overstuffed. Um, I feel like this movie could have been two movies. I also feel like the series could have been a book, but it's fine. I would love for it to be a book. I would like it so much better. Why can't she just release the screenplays? Anyway, mm-hmm. going on, um, directed by David Yates, who we'll get to later, <laughs> <laughs> from a screenplay by J.K. Rowling, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Gun- Grindelwald, picks up a year after the events of the previous movie with Newt's commander, Eddie Redman, stuck in the UK as a result of a travel ban. However, at the behest of Albus Dumbledore, played by Jude Law, Newt heads off to Paris with his friend J- Jacob Kowalski. I totally read his name as Kebab for a second. <laughs> played by Dan Folger. <laughs> oh, wait, is that Fogler? Fogler. Oh, wish. Sorry, Dan. Um, Intel. To track down the missing obscure Credence Barebone, Ezra Miller. Before the dark wi- wizard Gellert Grindelwald, <laughs> played by Johnny Depp, can get to him. Um, the Crimes of Grindelwald dives deep into a tangle of family trees as Credence searches for his true identity in Newt's old flame, Leta Lestrange. Leta! Every time! <laughs> it's only when I'm reading it. Leta Lestrange, Zoe Kravitz, mm-hmm. uh, tries to run from her own past. But it feels like Leta and Credence's subplots were lacking something. Well, that's because not all of their scenes made it into the final cut of the movie. <laughs> that's not the only reason. Um, we parsed Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald's most important deleted scenes from the early trailers for the movie. All right, so first, Credence joins the circus. Yeah, this would have been nice to understand. Yeah, so maybe. like the scene in the trailer is basically just you see just Credence looking at some posters that have like things for the circus. Yeah, they have, it's, I can see, like, it says hypnotist and something demon, or Friday, demonic. Friday, uh, yeah. homo amphibola. Amphibia. Amphibia, <laughs> which is, like, I guess, fish. It sounds like frog human. Like froggy frog man. man. Yeah, frog man, If my I guess. Latin is correct, it should be something close to frog man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think, maybe going by that picture below, might be, like, the kappa that we see. Oh, it kind of looks like one. Kind of. I mean, like, but, like, the tail is very uncharacteristic of a kappa, but, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, it's weird because I don't really see, I don't see any of these things in the actual circus that we see in the movie. That's true. And then, um, hmm, I'm seeing, like, the the bottom left part of this shot, yeah. we see, like, it, it looks like font demonique, so, like, and then, like, some sort of demonic creature creature so I'm like wondering what that is and why we didn't see that yeah it's it's interesting because I can't tell if it's meaning to say infant demonic maybe but it's like a man like it looks like a man with mm-hmm. a leather jacket <laughs> yeah I can't really tell <clears throat> and I don't know if it's like supposed to be something you can tell 
but it's yeah. like very interesting that it's like here. Obviously, we didn't see it in the movie, so who fucking knows? Yeah, um, I think honestly, like this scene would have been really helpful because I f- there's a lot of things that the movie kind of passes over that were things that happened in the first one. So like Credence is presumed to be dead, mm-hmm. and like we don't get to see any of why that didn't happen. And at least I feel like maybe having this scene in the movie would have better explained, like, how he got to the circus, like, yeah. how he got that relationship with Nagini, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because, like, the, I think the first time we see him, he's already, like, part of the circus. He has, like, that outfit on, and he's, like, friends with Nagini. He, yeah, he and Nagini made, like, a plan. Yeah, so, like, that first scene, I thought, the first time I watched it, I was like... Are they siblings? They were talking about the dark twin. Are they siblings? What's happening? Yeah. Um, so let's see what the article says. Um, when we first catch up with Credence in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, he's already working at a magical circus mm-hmm. and has developed a close relationship with Nagini of Maledictus, who is doomed to eventually transform permanently into a snake, as we see later. Um, in fact, the first time we see Credence and Nagini, they are already planning their escape from the circus. However, a brief clip from the Comic-Con trailer at around the one-minute mark, shows Credence surveying posters for the circus and still sporting his rather terrible haircut from the first movie. <laughs> Presumably, the movie originally included more scenes showing Credence after his initial flight from New York, including perhaps his first meeting with Nagini. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I th- I, yeah. So I think this isn't saying anything that we don't already know. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's very much interesting how we like because we presume him dead and then somehow mm-hmm. get, he gets to France and it's not explained at all and I'm 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 more worried that it's never going to be explained and mm-hmm. it's just going to be something that like oh it like happened yeah because so much plot happened in the second movie that like we're yeah. so far past mm-hmm. how Credence got to France yeah so I'm exactly yeah how the fuck did he get to France? it's fine exactly. um. <laughs> and, like, and like why how did Nagini come to support him. Like, what, what's happening? Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> the second part, Credence separates from his Obscurus. Um, I'll just read this. Oof. Yeah. Um, Nagini's character art feels a little undercertain to Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, as she doesn't have much to do besides cleaning Credence and Ooh. helping him in his search for his mother. Very true. Yeah. A clip from the very first teaser trailer for the movie shows another piece of Credence and Nagini's story that didn't make it into the movie. A scene where the two of them are sitting on a rooftop and Credence voluntarily separates from his Obscurus, which then returns to him. It's unclear what is going on in the scene, whether Credence is trying to forcibly separate himself from his dark twin, or whether he's simply showing Nagini his own curse, since he's seen hers. Regardless, it's a very interesting clip because it's the first time we've seen Credence exercise control over his Obscurus instead of it simply exploding out of him in moments of stress. Mm-hmm. It's possible that the scene was excised from the movie so that the first time Credence is shown to have control over his Obscurus is at the very end, after Grind- Grindelwald has revealed that his real name is Aurelius Dumbledore, supposedly. Upon learning his true heritage, Credence is able to use a wand to direct the power of, his, of the Obscurus, blowing a hole in the side of Nur... Norman Guard Castle and destroying the side of a distant mountain. So, like... I just... Honestly, I think the... This, I don't really care too much about this scene being deleted. It's just, like, frustrating that Nagini doesn't have much screen time mm, at all yeah. in general. And they made such a big deal out of her being in this movie. Yeah, they movie. kept it, like, such a secret. Yeah, so, and like, I was expecting like some big character reveal. Yeah, and she like didn't do anything. She was she had like two lines total. Mm-hmm. It was very sad because I feel like she could have had such an interesting something, literally anything. Yeah, again, like her her relationship with Credence was never explained, and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this character suffered for it, and they revealed, um. They revealed that, yeah, she was Nagini, like, a little bit before the second trailer came out. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. It's it's like she almost seems useless post-production. Yeah, she seems kind of like just, like, arm candy in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. she's just there in that ridiculous dress yeah. for the entire movie. So, like, mm. and, like, I think it's really interesting, the idea of him controlling his Obscurus. Mm-hmm. Um also like this article like he says 
this article says he controls that at the end of the movie. I didn't really get... I didn't understand it was him being able to control his Obscurus. I, I, yeah, I just thought <clears> it was like a young got, wizard can control, can't control their magic, so yeah. they can just do random things like we see like Harry Potter. This is all the yeah. class and whatnot. I thought it was even just more like now he can channel the Obscurus through the wand, but I didn't yeah. see it as him controlling it. I still saw it as really random mm-hmm. and like, Cause yeah. Like, I think... The scene where, um, what's his face, kills his mother's servant, his supposedly mm-hmm. mother's servant. What's his face? I, don't, I forget. There's too many characters. Uh, in the is that the movie. one that starts with M? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he he had like three lines and he turned bad somehow. I don't know. Yes. There was a lot happening. Um, but in that scene, I think there was a little more control than in the first movie because he got very angry, obviously. But yeah. it, it seemed like he was controlling it and then, like, trying, actively trying to kill him. Yeah. But obviously he couldn't. So, like, I think there was, like, a slight evolution in that and control, but then we didn't, like, see it grow. Yeah, and it, and his reaction to that moment made a lot of sense. Yeah. I didn't think his reaction to the end where he gets the wand from Grindelwald made sense. No, it was very much, like, a display of, like, I can do this now. Yeah. Like, But I'd never gotten that from him before. Mm-hmm. Like, all I've, I'd gotten from him was, like, angry this has happened to him. Angry that this is a thing that, like, occurred, you know? But, like, it, he never gave off the vibe of, like, oh, I'm so powerful now and yeah. I can do all of these things. It was just a very interesting reaction to him getting the wand from Grindelwald. I mean, it could just be, like, an excitement sort of thing. Like, he found out he's supposedly related to the Dumbledore, so, like... But Maybe also, does, that, he, but that's does like he know who that they are? I don't think he don't, knows yeah. who they are. And that might be like, yeah, I don't. It's because he's like, I think to a certain extent, the name Dumbledore is pretty like understood as powerful in the wizarding world. But he's not like in the in wizarding him. world, right? But I think he's spent enough time in it because like we see him I guess I I just think I think Albus is the first one to really make a mark though that's true because his dad's in Azkaban well I think a wizard going to Azkaban would still like that's true yeah so I I think there's a certain amount of like notoriety that the name has but I don't yeah I get what you're saying I don't think Credence would be like super being like this is the power of the Dumbledore yeah so yeah I, I think that last scene was like just kind of like weird and also like the wand like the wand chooses the wizard we learned this in the first yeah movie. i know so like how how is credence able to control the magic that way even though he has not been trained at magic at all and yeah. how did grindelwald fall get him a wand that would work with him even though he's technically not a wizard right it's, i it's like a very weird line that was never really cleared up i don't think I feel I like the definition of an obscurist is just very vague the way they've given it yeah. to us, and like I don't know what it necessarily entails. Because is it like a squib, so they have like some sort of latent magic in their bloodline, or that's yeah. like bursting, or is it a wizard that's like lost control of I their mean, magic? Like yeah. what is it? I mean, obviously, okay, depending on like whether he's a Dumbledore or whatever, any any possible parent he could have, if he was a kid on that boat, then he was a child of a wizard family mm-hmm. because that's who was on it. But, like, I don't know. Like, because I'm still not convinced that he is a Dumbledore. Yeah, same. I just, I don't know what it really means. I mean, I'm still for, like, this theory that he's, like, Ariana's Obscurial. Yeah. Um, but that's, like, the only thing. Yeah, but it's just, like, not very clear. I think this is a reoccurring thing, though, of it not being very clear what, what an Obscurus is. Yeah. Exactly. And then, like, what powers exactly they do have. And I think I think part of that is, like, just for, like, storytelling purposes. Like, if you explain exactly what it is and what they can do, then that limits what Credence can do in the further movies. But at the same time, I like, like, some sort of coherency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, it, and it's very interesting because it's still not totally confirmed that Ariana was an obscurist. Mm-hmm. But I, it's heavily implied, right? So I yeah. feel like eventually they're going to 
be putting those things together, but they're I feel like they're not doing a very good job of laying the foundation for it right now. Yeah, and part of that might just be because, like we said, this movie was so jam-packed that they didn't literally mm-hmm. just did not have time to fit it in. Which, like, honestly, I would have preferred a three-hour movie to, like, yeah. this mess. Yeah, I would too. But, yeah. Um, so moving on, the ballroom scene. I wanted, uh, I was, that was the one. so good. That was the one I was excited for when I saw the trailers. I was like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Even if it has, like, no substance, I still want to see it. <laughs> like, it looked just magnificent. Which, like, a French ball, like, even in the 1900s, the French were kicking. Like, <laughs> bitchin' AF. <laughs> um... So, let's just read this. Um, one of the most intriguing deleted scenes that was glimpsed in the trail teaser trailer <laughs> sees Leta. Lita? Lita. Every time. <laughs> Lita, dressed in elegant clothes, watches in fascination as a dancer performs an elaborate twirling dance surrounded by wizards and witches in black tie clothing. While it's unclear how exactly this would have fitted into Crimes of Grindelwald's story, which moves along at a breakneck pace with little time for parties. Very true. Yeah. It seems likely that this is some kind of Ministry of Magic social event. Lita is engaged to Newt's brother, the- Theseus, mm-hmm. played by Calum Turner, and both of them work for the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. It's also possible, given that Lita comes from a noble line of French pure pureblood wizards, that this is some kind of event specifically for purebloods, but that's less likely since Lita has, is estranged from her father and spends much of the movie trying to distance herself from her heritage. Haha, ha, estranged. Listrange. Haha, haha, haha. You're so funny. Oh my god. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't know if this scene would have had, like, too much substance, but it's certainly, like, Yeah, I wonder I what was trying to happen here. I, I wonder if maybe that was their first, like, idea of what Grindelwald's rally was gonna be. Mm. Um, like, it would be this, and then it would end up Mm -hmm. in that place or something. Um, she's watching a dancer. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I thought, you know what, actually, I, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is a scene where it's, like, Lita's gonna be trying to decide between Theseus and Newt, or, like, she's gonna have a conflict between Theseus and Newt, and, like, the best place to do that is, like, a dance, like, ball setting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know where it would have fit. Because the other ones, I can imagine a place where they would fit. Yeah. I think, I think this one kind of read to me as, like, maybe a a chance for them to infiltrate, like, a pure-blood gathering, Yeah. Like, like, maybe seeing, like, Tina and Newt and Lita come in and, like, try to get some sort of intel on Grindelwald, like, what his plan was. Yeah. Something like that. But, like, and especially if they brought, like, Queenie, that would have been, like, a great plan. And, like, Queenie would have fucking loved that. Yeah. <laughs> Dresses up in a ball round yes. to go to a French party. Like, hell yeah. Queenie reminds me, this kind of, like, drifting, but Queenie reminds me of Charlotte from Princess and the Frog. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Right? Oh my god, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think this would have been like a really exciting scene and a great display of like the CGI magic. That yeah. Was, like so much a part of this series. Yeah. I feel like this series uses a lot more CGI than the original Harry Potter franchise. And I'm not like Totally no, against it. I'm not like, against there's a lot it. of stuff you can't really do. There's a because I mean we we watch basic like education magic in the harry potter films yeah. and this is like real like adult like pe- people's lives are at stake all the time kind of magic mm-hmm. so i understand why it would need more yeah and especially like the obviously the fantastic beasts like some of those you could do like practical effects for but mm-hmm. like especially like the dragon chinese dragon thing like Imagine trying to build that in time. For, I know, yeah. And then film it, and there was just too much. There's just too much, like, wild things for them to do. Mm-hmm. Which, like, so, so it's like, CGI makes sense. And it also gives it, like, this otherworldly, magical I think so quality, too. which I like. Yeah. I think the most natural scenes for CGI are the ones, like, in either Newt's suitcase or, as we saw in his, his like, basement. Those all yeah. are very natural with the I CGI, agree. which I really liked. I agree with that. 
And I think there was, it might just because there was so much happening and you didn't have so much of a real world setting. Because, mm-hmm. like, the dragon you would see in, like, a street. Yeah. So it looked kind of out of place, but then, like, in... Like, in the nipples kind of look out yeah. of place um, in the streets of London. I'm thinking of when they did dragons in Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. And it looked fine because the dragons were, like, big enough. But when you have, like, a small thing... Yeah. It's just, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and like, the thing with Noose is, like, everything in there is, like, magical. So mm-hmm. it all has that, like, weirdness to it. So it kind of works. But, yeah, yeah. that whole, the, the ballroom scene. Would have loved to fun. see it. Don't know if, I don't know if it, it would have made sense, important. but. It would have been great. I think it, I think it would have been a great filler scene, which I think this movie I think this lacking. movie needed filler scenes, and I've never had to say that about anything yeah. before. Yeah, like. <laughs> I think that's, like, we'll get to it later, but, like, part of the directing is, like, figuring out when you need to give the audience a break to, like, just comprehend what is happening. Yeah. And we did not have that. I feel like, I feel like, um, it needed filler scenes because filler scenes are good for relationship building. Yes, very much so. And I feel like there was no relationship building. It was just plot. It was just plot and, like, characters were going through the same situations, but they didn't really have time to, like... Actually, yeah. That. And then you had, like, that one, like, touching moment between Newt and Tina in the archives. That was but it, nice. But it felt, like, real. I don't it know, was maybe even just that, for me, it just felt kind of awkwardly placed. It felt, like, rushed, That's in my it. opinion. It was, like... Because I had this anxiety of them, like... Because they were obviously not supposed to be in the archives. Mm-hmm. They were lying. And I was, like, that whole time I, I knew, like, that last scene with, like, the old woman. Yes. I was, like, she's going to catch them. So I, like, had that anxiety during that entire scene. Yeah. And so, like, I was, and like, I I was like, they're like... going to get caught. You need to get moving. You need to get moving. But they were, like, just drawing out. And I was, like, Ugh. I liked that they were talking. Yes. But I yes. didn't like the fact that, like, there was this obvious, like, ominous, like, threat hanging mm-hmm. over it that I was kind of distracted by. Yes. In order to, like, not be able to appreciate what they were talking about. And it was just, like, an awkward place. It was. Like, I, th- I think, but I think part of that is just because of how fast this movie was going like it that was like one of the few times the two of them were together in the same place yeah for any amount of time besides when they were trapped in the sewer and even then they weren't even in there for that long um and also speaking of the sewer no the strange family tree in the sewer (laughs) um which again I, i don't think this one's super important but um there are actually two versions of the strange family tree that appear in the crimes of Grindelwald. The first was pieced together by Lita's half-brother, Yusuf Kama. William Nottleham, who believes that Creedence Bearbone is Lita's other half-brother, Corvus Lestrange V. As part of an unbreakable vow made to his dying father, Yusuf has been charged with killing the person that Corvus Lestrange IV Leda's father. Leda. What did I say? He said Leda. Leda's <laughs> father loves most in the world, his son. When Yusuf tricks Newt and Jacob into entering a hidden room in the sewers of Paris and traps them in there, this makeshift family tree can be seen on the walls, but we're never given a really good look at it. A clip from the teaser trailer shows Yusuf standing alone in front of the family tree, examining it, indicating that there may be some close-up shots of the family tree on the cutting room floor. If we had to guess why this scene was cut, aside from time constraints, it was probably because Yates didn't want to show this family tree in too much detail. Towards the end of the movie, Lita unveils her father's own family tree and goes over the Lestrange lineage in detail, right up to the untimely death of baby Corvus V. Showing Yusuf's family tree might have may have spoiled the fact that he and Lita are half-siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get why this one was cut. I think it's, like, a really nice, like, cinematic thing. Yeah, it look looked at. really nice. I think, honestly, I would have rather... I would have rather had um, this and, like, less of the explaining portion of how was everyone was yeah. related. And I don't think it had to be even, like, the one person was explaining everything. Because Lita was literally explaining the entire lineage. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, that's the thing. And I feel like maybe having this would explain Like, we could have gotten some in the background and then, like, we'd be like, oh, 
the audience would be led into believing too that um, Credence was Corvus. But then, like, in that crypt scene, just have Lita be like, actually, no, I killed my brother. Yeah. And then that would have been, like, that dramatic reveal. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you had the suspense from throughout her story of, like, what happened to Corvus. Is Credence Corvus? But then, if you had introduced it earlier, I feel like it would have made a stronger impact. Yes. Um, yeah, I... I just remembered that scene was just, like... It felt My bad. explanation. Now it's this person's explanation. Yeah. Now it's this person's explanation. And they all kind of conflict with each other, and that's, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like if we'd gotten the different theories at a different point, at different points, mm-hmm. and then, like, had the crypt scene and been like, this is the definitive theory. <laughs> or not theory. This is definitive proof. This is the end. It'd be, like, this great dramatic moment. But that's not what we got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how on the strange family tree the women aren't mentioned? They're just flowers? Yeah. I was like, what the literal fuck? I, yeah, I mean, like, I know. Like, I, I understand why, but also, like, mm. Yeah, wow. Um, I think that, I, I like, it made sense. It it's did, just, yeah. like, annoying. And, like, it made sense based on the fact that, um... The time period. The yeah. time period, the fact that Lita's dad even kind of, like, disregarded her because she wasn't a son. Yeah. You know? Um, like, it, it made sense. But, like, I was kind of sad when I saw that because I saw it with my 12-year-old sister, and I was like... Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, like... And, it, and Lita's one of the yeah. only women that have, like, prominent lines, like, in that film. Yeah. So knowing that she's very much disregarded... I don't know. I think I think it works within the context of the movie to a certain extent because, like, obviously we know that by the time period that women aren't respected. Yeah, not that respected. But then so, we see people like Tina, and she's like an horror. Yeah, but I think I think part of that is that very much it's canon that the Lestrange are bad people yeah so they like even within the canon of harry potter it's like the lestrange family tree is like what we shouldn't be doing we shouldn't be disregarding women but they do because they're bad yeah so i think that's sort of made clear i think i think what's interesting to me is that in the original harry potter series and obviously bellatrix isn't like a bloodline lestrange Mm -hmm. but she's the only reason that we know that the lestranges are a thing yeah um, and she is a very prominent woman. Mm-hmm. And thinking about how she married into a family that completely disregards women, it's, like, very interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because she doesn't seem like that type of person that would allow that kind of disrespect. But also, you were saying, like, the time period and stuff mm-hmm. was really different, so... Yeah. Just, like, an interesting fact about a family that we only know because of someone who is married into it. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, it was, it was, it looked really, like, the, I love the family trees in Harry Potter. They always, like, Me are too. really interesting to look at. Um, so the next scene is Dumbledore and the Deluminator. Um, a final deleted scene shown in the trailers doesn't involve Credence or Lita at all, but instead shows Albus Dumbledore in Foggy London. London, using his deluminator to turn off the nearby street lamps. A version of this did end up in the movie, with Dumbledore taking Newt on a whirlwind tour of London as they tried to stay two steps ahead of Newt's ministry trail. However, this particular location was not included in the sequence. Perhaps Dumbledore and Newt's conversation originally had a little more exposition and therefore required them to apparate a couple more times. Yeah, again, this is, like, a scene that wasn't, like, super important. Yeah, it wasn't important. It would have been cool to see because, like, oh, a callback. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Interesting the things she decides to tie together mm-hmm. versus the things that she's, like, actually, well, I guess the director decided, like, oh, yeah. you know what? I know this was cool Put in the first, but one. I didn't direct that one, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to, like like brought up the point of Newt's ministry tale like how did if they were tailing him all throughout London how did they not follow him to the cliffs of Dover riddle me that yeah 
I... Because, like, obviously they would see him walking up to this old wizard with a port key. Like, <laughs> and they wouldn't have stopped him? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's because, like, I like, didn't think about it until now, and I was like, he's with a muggle. He's going to a porky, which is, like, the only way, like, it, he says it's the only way he can travel without going through the ministry. Yeah, without needing like, papers. Yeah, so, like, why wasn't the ministry following him then? Yeah. Unless he had a really good excuse that was in another scene that we didn't see. That travel ban was also very interesting. Did they mention that in the last movie, or was this just brought up in this one? No, it was brought up at the very beginning that because of the events in America that Newt was now banned from traveling unless he agreed to work for the ministry. But it did seem kind of sudden. Can you... Okay, let's talk about how there are these weird conflicts. Well, first of all, Newt never gets any repercussions for doing what he did. Like, after he doesn't obey the travel ban that's put on him. So what was the point of having it at all? So, two things. <laughs> so, like, I don't think this movie had enough time to deal with the repercussions of the travel ban, because we don't see Newt again in the ministry until he's literally in the ministry running away. Yeah. And he escapes the ministry. And then we see him again at the very end at the rally. Well, obviously we don't see him again, but we don't see him interact with the ministry until he's at the rally. And by that point, I don't think they're worried about enforcing the travel ban because of other events, obviously. So I think that's why it's not brought up again, and the travel ban originally seemed like a very much like a plot motive for him to get involved with Dumbledore. Because otherwise I think Newt would have gone um, anyway, but then right. Dumbledore was like, hey, you yeah, should go. Yeah, I have a safe house. They yeah. won't be able to find... I think, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like kind of an awkward thing to add in. Yeah. It was like they had to do this in order to make Dumbledore relevant. Because yeah. honest, honestly, like he's not that relevant in this movie. Not yet. Well, Just like his relationship with Grindelwald, but if I'm going to be real, like not too important. Yeah, not right now. Like I think it'll be com- it's setting up for like later the next movies one, yeah. that we'll see them maybe fight. I'm who very knows? interested to see how they're d- going to deal with all the Austria stuff because they're going to have to be very careful about some mm-hmm. of the things that they say and do because Grindelwald is literally Hitler. Wizard Hitler. <laughs> also, like, it's an interesting time, like, frame for that because it's like this second one was in the 1920s, 22, I think. Something like that. No, 26. 26. So, like, that's, like, peak Hitler rise to power. Yeah. So, it's, like, there's some interesting... Like, I get... I'm taking around. Nice. Nice, like, illusion. Yes. Like, nice parallel story. But also, like, I feel like the events of the muggle world would be event affecting, like, wizards, too. And, like, vice versa. Yeah, because also, like, I'm sure there's Jewish, Jewish wizards. wizards. Yeah! <laughs> like, Jewish wizards, so, like... And also, like, how does it work if the wizards end up prosecuting muggles, and then, like, muggles are prosecuting, like, Jewish people and Jewish wizards? So, like, how... Do, like... And I feel like that's something we're not going to get explained, because the, the two worlds seem very separated. The, right yeah, now. they seem, like, really separated, and I don't know how they're going to even make them combine... I mean, I think in lore-wise, that's true, at least in America, but I'm not sure about how much in Europe, like, the worlds are separated. I know. I mean, there's, obviously, in Harry Potter, they're still separated to a certain degree, but you do see, and this might be, like, the impetus for the reasons the worlds are still separated, because, like, maybe in, like, movie four, Hitler and Grindelwald are going to join together, and then, like... I don't want to see a, a representation of Hitler in the Harry Potter universe. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, maybe, like, that'll be why the world decides to keep wizards and muggles separate still. Like, I just don't know. Like, but they allow muggles and wizards to get married mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, but it's like there's still that separation, <sighs> so I'm like... Between the world, because you don't see like wizards walking around doing magic in the Muggle world, even in the Harry Potter world. Like obviously there's rules. Mm-hmm. Like, Harry gets in trouble for that. Like 
So yeah. I, I think I think it's this whole series is setting up some interesting things. Like, yeah. For the canon. I wonder if they're gonna be able to explain everything in three more movies. I feel like I based on this it. one, I feel like based on this one, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so unless they have like three epilogues. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's already like a five movie series, mm-hmm. so I think literally to fill just fill out everything, it's going to need to be like ten movies because <laughs> it there's just so much happening. I feel like a lot a lot of this information is gonna end up on Pottermore. And that'll help fill out the world. Yeah. Like, if we're going to do a movie, we might as well just fill it out on Just saying. <laughs> and that's the tea. <laughs> and that's the tea, sis. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that article. That's that article. Now we're going to talk about that actual person who decided to make these cuts. Um, <laughs> David Yates. So another article from ScreenRant.com uh, titled Fantastic Beasts. Biggest problem isn't J.K. Rowling's scripts. It's the director. <laughs> And this one is what by... Out. Um, what's his face? Uh, Max Farrow. Thank you, Max. Shout out to Max. Hashtag free Max. Is he trapped? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's get into this. Oh, that's a, that's a lot of titles. Okay. Um, the biggest problem play, plaguing the Fantastic Beast movie series isn't J.K. Rowling's scripting efforts. It's director David Yates. Fantastic Beasts 2 is currently the worst-reviewed <laughs> movie in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. Makes sense. With 2016's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them being the second-worst-reviewed movie in the series. I have a problem with that, but okay. Um, <laughs> critics have lambasted... Ooh, nice word. Fantastic yeah, Beasts 2's pacing and its plot. While fans have balked at... He's Max. <laughs> all the good I words. know. You um, go to college. <laughs> He went to college. <laughs> um, while fans have balked at many of Crimes of Grindelwald's many retcons and plot holes. Oh my god, retcons. Jeez, like, man. Indeed, the Fuhrer has expanded <gasps> so quickly that series stalwart Ezra Miller called for fans to trust in J.K. Rowling. Damn it. <laughs> Can you write my essays? Like, literally. <laughs> oh my god. Um, it's true that many of Fantastic Beasts 2's problems do stem from the franchise's creator. Is that spelled correctly? I don't know. Yeah, it um, is. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't write them. I just read them. Um, after all, J.K. Rowling has a considerable amount of creative control over all of the Wizarding World's prospect, projects. But filmmaking is not the same as novel writing. It's a far more collaborative po- process. Okay, so what I have to say to that is that, yes, like filmmaking is very collaborative, but she is the one writing the scripts fully like she didn't have a screenwriter like she did Mm. in the um, original harry potter films to like figure out what is the best to keep in and how to do certain things so i do think like she's definitely more to blame for this interpretation of her world than the harry potter films Mm -hmm. i I personally i think she's better at world building yeah like the world she's created is super complex and super interesting, and I love it. Yeah. But also, like, and I, think, I think she has a trouble cutting, like, that a lot of authors do, which yes. is totally understanding of figuring out where to make the cuts and what is important enough to mm-hmm. actually go in the movie. Because there's technically, like, you don't really have a limit for a book. Yeah, you don't. You don't. And so I think that's where she's really struggling because there's so much story that she wants to tell. And I think, I honestly think, like, no one's going to hate her for hiring a screenwriter. No. I think I think what, this is just my opinion. <laughs> I'm just saying she should just write the books and then hire a, hire a screenwriter. Maybe even the same screenwriter from the original series. Mm-hmm. And then I think the screenplays will play out much better and we'll also have the context to fill in the plot holes and if people complain about the movies they can just go read the goddamn book yeah there's a lot of um things that you can do with the cinematography to explain things better than like actual scenes between people and i think that's something that she doesn't really grasp or understand so i think that's why the second film was so plot heavy because she didn't know how to express certain things just with like visuals yeah yeah. But. Anyways, this is about David Yates. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> um, that is why producers Steve Kloves, who wrote all the Harry Potter screenplays, David Heyman, and Lionel Wigram, Wigram, 
are also <laughs> responsible, as is director David Yates. Certainly, Rowling is not the only part, party to blame for the crimes of Grindelwald's confusing narrative. The strength of the script may make or break a movie, but directors play a major part in relating that story to the audience, from pre-production to the overseeing editing on the fi final cut. The Crimes of Grindelwald's convoluted structure is as much Yates' responsibility as are its performances and visuals. But the main reoccurring problem with Yates' Harry Potter-related movies is that is the realism that permeates his over. I need to look up that word. I know this one, O E U V R E. Oh, Never yeah. heard it before. Let's see. Let's see. What does it mean? Uh, the works of a painter, composer, or author regarded collectively. Oh my God, Max. Is that his name? Ever. Ever. Max. Ever. Yeah. Oof. Ever. Yes. Okay, we're going to pretend. Ever Miller? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pretend that we knew that word. Okay. Um, but the main reoccurring problem with Yates' Harry Potter related movies is the realism that permeates his Evra, which was sustainable for the darker, more political Harry Potter movies. Okay, I have a kind of a problem with that because these are awesome kind of political. These are really political. Like, I feel like, like these are more political than the Harry Potter Yeah, this is like an adult universe. Yeah, it's literally an adult yeah. universe, so like, mm, okay. Um, but nearly ten years after he directed Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Yeats' directorial style evidently cannot accommodate the fantasy or the scope of the wizarding world. I, it's, okay, so maybe he's saying that it's like the old... The original Harry Potter series did a good job of balancing the realism and the fantasy, mm -hmm. but these ones have a hard time accommodating the fantasy part specifically, which I can understand. Yeah, I think I can. I, I can get that, but I—that's not something that I felt. I think in the original seven books, you see more fantasy than realism. Personally, because like every like the first what five six books all mm -hmm. are, are the action primarily occurs at hogwarts which is a fantasy world and there's constantly magic happening and then in the seventh book most most of the action still takes place at hogwarts but you see them outside of there uh, outside of in the not human world the muggle world and that's where the realism comes in mm -hmm. but then in these books all you're seeing fantasy creatures in places like New York, in Paris. Yeah. So I think it's difficult to reconcile the realism of Paris yes. with the fantasy of the Harry Potter world. Yes. And I think that's what he's trying to say. I think that's. With. I think that's what he's saying too. Because like you're seeing literally fantastic beasts. Because you don't really see the Muggle world that much in Harry Potter. Exactly. Like you and see if, it, if but you it's do, very it's separate. separate. Yes. It's very much separate. Because like you'll separate. see like Privet Drive. And then you'll see Hogwarts. Yeah. And they're very separate in different mm -hmm. places, which I think has something to do with the cinematography as well. Yes. Like, you see them as very separate places, but in this, it's, it's the blending of the two. Yeah. yeah. Like, you see this beautiful um, Parisian graveyard, but then there's, like, this magical monster. Or, like, you're putting a literal magic circus in the middle of a Parisian street. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's the problem that Yates is having. Yeah. But, um, yes. Um, the Harry Potter novels detail the sights, sounds, and smells of the universe and its magic. It bursts with vibrancy, mm -hmm. variety, and movement. Naturally, this is hard to translate to a film, but thanks to the various directors who worked on Harry Potter prior to Yates, this series <laughs> achieved like it with a wide, <laughs> if somewhat inconsistent, diversity of on-screen enchantments. That's, that's true. Some mm -hmm. of the magic changed, but that's okay. We're not going to worry about that. Um, that's not what we're ranting about today. Um, in contrast, all of the, in all of the movies that followed Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, most of the on-screen spell work merely consists of red, green, or blue slash white flashes with whip crack noises. Under Yates, the magic has become too mundane, and this directorial mm. mismatch becomes clear when watching all the duels across the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah, I can see that because like a lot mm -hmm. of the magic we see in this, oh, but like. Mm. I think it depends on like what they're doing, because like in the in those um, words, in the scene with Grindelwald where they're fighting off the blue fire, like all of those spells seem very similar. Yeah. And so it's like very much like just like. That and spell. this is something that we talked about before with them not saying the names of any spells. Yes. So and like I think all that of these adds wizards to are it. Just say, doing magic without saying anything. 
And, like, it's... Yeah. Even if that was, like, a cinematic choice, I think it actually does... Say something about the universe, which I'm not sure he wanted to do. Yeah. And also, it kind of portrays this idea of, like, oh, this is just, like, day-to-day. This is, like, normal. We normally fight all blue fire officers. Where, like, if you're calling attention to the things that you are doing that, like... It's like, oh, this is, like, different. This is, like... Mm. This this spell causes this to happen. Yeah. And this... But instead, it's just, like, flinging my wand everywhere. With, and with the random magic happening. everywhere. Yeah. And even, like, the, the really cool scene where Newt does this, like, golden magic that traces Tina. He doesn't say any spell. So, like, what spell is that? Who knows? No one. Not us. And, and so, like, I think... Like, we could definitely use some more explanation of the spells that they're using. And I get, like, it's not an educational environment anymore. These are adult wizards doing Mm -hmm. magic. But, like, they still have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, almost like the magic is, like, just super convenient instead of something that they've had to learn. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, if you're not saying the spells, then that means... It's you do like, it all the time. Yeah, yeah, you just do it all the time. And I think, I think this movie, it felt like they were using magic more as, like, a cop-out to explain things. Because, like, there's certainly ways that Newt could have tracked Tina without using a spell. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the Nifigur was half of that. But then, like, him using a spell, like, I don't see any other practical application for that spell. Maybe that's just me, but, like... Yeah. It's it doesn't seem like a spell he would be using all the time. Yeah. So it's not something that he wouldn't have to do. And then also his wand was like changing shape and shit. And was, I was it? Like, yeah. When? During that same scene, it was like he oh. like shaped it differently. It was it was really weird. It was really interesting, but I was like, he's not saying anything because he was using it to hear. So it like got really wide at the end, like a megaphone or whatever. But it was just like... Oh my god, I remember that. Yeah. That was so weird. And I was like, what can, is that something specific to new? Or can like always adult wizards do this? I feel like there's so much about adult magic that has not been explained. Yeah, that hasn't been explained. And from my understanding of the books... Um, like, you can only do um, voiceless magic if you actually have completely mastered that spell. Yeah. That's my understanding. Which would make sense. But then, like, it brings up the point, like, are these spells that they're doing... Like, maybe, like, the basic spells, like, Stupefy, Exploronics. Yeah. Like, those make sense. Like, especially, like, horrors would definitely be very good at those. But, you know, the weird thing is, anytime they did Expelliarmus, they would say it. Did they... I don't think they said it in these movies. Yeah, and Tina said Expelliarmus to Yusuf. Yeah, I think they've just been very careless with how they're using magic in this film. Because, like, yeah. the first film, we didn't see that's that many... Why, that's we didn't what, see that much magic. That's what it is. They're being very careless with it. That's a mm-hmm. good way of putting it. Because the first movie, we don't see that much actual, like, wand magic. Yeah. We see a lot more magic through creatures. Through creatures. But this movie had so much wand magic, and, like, none of it was explained. That's actually, wow, a revelation. <laughs> I just broke her brain. <laughs> um, where were we? Um, okay. The Goblet of Fire's mm-hmm. climactic duel between Harry Potter and a resurrected Lord Voldemort still stands as one of the franchise's finest sequences, so much so that the filmmakers borrowed the priori incantum effect for Dumbledore and Voldemort's battle. Priori incantatum. What did I say? <laughs> I speak Latin. I should be able to say because most of these are just straight up Latin. I just priori incantatum, and then I think Hermione does a spell called finite incantatum at some point. No, that's definitely right because Latin you pronounce every single vowel. Yeah. And every single syllable. So I don't know why I'm not doing that. Um, so much so that the filmmakers borrowed the priori incantatum effect for Dumbledore and Voldemort's battle in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire showdown doesn't work just because of its heart-rending score or the emotional heft behind this battle. How, Moreover, as Harry and Voldemort's wands connect, the 
ways that the camera and effects are utilized create a sense of visceral power in the scene. It may be CGI, but the clash between those two enemies feels visceral and tangible. Yes. I feel like, yeah, that was like, <laughs> I remember watching that movie for the first time being like, whoa, this is, because that was like the first time we ever, we, we see like that much magic being done in the movies. Well, we obviously we see a lot of that, but that's like a gigantic magic scene. And I think that was a really powerful thing. And we don't, like, we get all these magical, super powerful magical spells in this movie, but, like, they just didn't have the same effect, I don't think. Yeah. Except for, like, because the I, last thing. The last thing was really cool, and that, that was something that seemed like, it was, like, I don't know. It was okay that mm. they didn't say the spell because there was a lot of attention put on the action itself. Yeah. But for everything else, it was almost like it could have all been the same spell. I don't know. Exactly. You know? And also, like, what spell were they doing? Like, the the point still stands of, like, we don't know what spell they're doing. And, like, is that a spell that they practiced before? Like, because how often do you need to contain... How often do you just listen to this random guy that you've never met before being like, everyone get in a circle? (laughs) Because he didn't, like, even tell them what spell to do, really? Yeah, he was just like, we all need to get in a circle right now. And then then they just did it, and they all somehow did the same spell? That's worse than, like, movie musicals. Yeah. Yeah, they they just, like, all ran around, and then were like, magic spell, go. And it was all the same spell, and I was like, wait, what are they doing? (laughs) Throwing that out just there. Just food for thought. Just throwing that out there, director David Yates. Just, just saying. Um, um, <clears throat> where were we? There's little comparison between this and when the disguised Grindelwald single-handedly takes on all of Makusa's ores and Fantastic be somewhere to find them. Admittedly, by this point, audiences haven't had nearly as much time to become invested in these characters and this conflict as they were with Harry's plight in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Nevertheless, the climax of Fantastic Beasts had a chance to show just how unusually powerful Grindelwald is. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire showed how impactful a two-person duel could be. Fantastic Beasts could have fittingly generated a corresponding sense of drama and power. Instead, Grindelwald's assault is over in less than a minute, and it's peppered by indistinct CGI. Go off, Max! Yeah. Okay, so, like, the first... Like, the blue fire thing, I have a problem with, because, like, I wasn't sure what was happening, really. I'm very interested in the blue fire, because I've been doing a reread of the original Harry Potter series, and it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be, like, a very telling thing that Mm -hmm. someone is able to create blue fire, because Hermione can do it, and she's, like, the only one in their year that can. Um... And also, like, the Goblet of Fire is blue as well. The Goblet of Fire is also blue. Which, like, was immediately what I thought of, and I was like, that's gonna just destroy people. What's happening? Yeah. So, I don't know. I can't tell if they wanted blue fire because it looked cool and different, or if they were trying to connect some things from, like, the books. Um, But it was, like, very heavy CGI. It was a lot of people that died that I didn't care about. Lita died, and I kind of cared, but at the same time, I was like, literally, why? Because Mm. that scene was really awkward, right? Yeah. Because she was like, like, I'll go with you. And he was like, bet. Um, And then she was like, JK. And then she was like, no, but actually, goodbye. And And then she died. (laughs) And then she died, and Grindelwald didn't even care about her at that point. Yeah. Like, he moved on. It was just a very awkward sequence and then uh, it was also like because the, the fire it seemed very much like a plot fire like the pl- the fire was literally killing the insignificant people and then was being very slow to advance towards the people who were important for that scene yes whereas like the people that weren't in the scene died in like two seconds but then like everyone else it, they had like eight seconds to run away and I was like mm, okay and also well, it wasn't sure if Grindelwald was directly controlling that fire or if it was like or if it was a spell that he did to make it know certain things about the people it was attacking Mm -hmm. because then it also morphed into like this dragon thing that supposedly would have killed all of paris but like why and also what how (laughs) and who and when and where like what okay but yeah and then but like i thought the second part of that where it was like they were blocking it felt very cool it was like you said it was a very cool scene it was a very cool looking scene and then and it like there was great like cinematographic 
difference between the magic they were doing, which was like this reddish gold, yeah. and the blue fire of his. Yeah, it was I like totally this great you had difference. For a second, I like freaked out. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're fine. But yeah, it was just like this great difference. But I, it was still like these, just like when they were, it came directly at them. They were just flashing it off with bent, um, flashes of light mm-hmm. that were like the same color as the spell, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, magic-wise, could be better. Um, so, instead of improving, the crimes of Grindelwald has only in- continued this trend. The CGI of Grindelwald's fiery creatures is particularly impressive near the Fantastic mm-hmm. Beast 2 ending. Yet the sequence feels oddly empty because Yates doesn't attempt to convey the depths of danger that Newt's commander and his friends are in. Yeah. Because I, I felt like they couldn't die. Like, none of them could have died. Yeah. And I'm still I'm still not convinced that Lita's dead. I'm not either. Because, like, I think he, he, he could have used the fire to send people as well as to kill them. And yeah. I think maybe that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So maybe she'll reappear in the next movie. Yep. Who knows? Um, ultimately, this is somewhat worrying when considering where the Fantastic Beast series is headed. The Dumbledore and Grindelwald duel in 1945. Oh, that's in 1945? Yeah. Is, isn't that like, am I wrong? Isn't that the end of World War Two? Let's, let's find out. <laughs> we love the internet. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes, it is. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Lady April early May nineteen forty five. That that just makes me think more that they're gonna tie in like World War Two and Hitler into this. I know. And it's going to be a great struggle between wizards and muggles as well as the allies. Maybe it'll talk about muggles power. and wizards finally coming together. Cause I'm pretty sure yeah. in they mentioned in the Second World War in the original Harry Potter books that muggles and wizards work together i think so but i'm just like i'm scared of how we're going to portray that. yeah i'm worried about the portrayal more than anything i'm, I'm worried about hitler i think everyone's I'm, worried about hitler <laughs> i'm a little worried about this hitler guy <laughs> he, he seems like he might not be the best person i don't know controversial don't know. opinion <laughs> call maybe, me crazy <laughs> call me crazy but maybe calling himself the fuhrer is a bad thing <laughs> um yeah um so, throughout the Harry Potter novels and films, the spectacular battle has been referred to in reverent, almost mythic tones. Yeah. Though it's highly plausible that Rowling will be adding more twists and turns to this famous rivalry, the final confrontation between Dumbledore and Grindelwald should be a suitably epic wizard's duel. Fans will, therefore, be concerned that Yates is likely to return for, to, for Fantastic Beasts 3. After all, they will now expect something similar to Harry and... Voldemort's flighty, flashy duel in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which in turn could have been a taut and dramatic, potent confrontation. Um, this is not to say that Yates is necessarily a bad director or that the mm. series needs a total makeover after Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. On the contrary, David Yates has produced some fine sequences and performances for the Harry Potter franchise, plus the amazing cast, sets, costume design, as well as James Newton Howard's scores are not only the saga's strongest aspects, but they're also among the best in modern blockbusters. All that's needed is a new and strong author- authorial voice to tailor them to Fantastic Beasts' narrative. Directors Mike Newell and Alfonso Caracol may now be busy with other projects, so their film... I don't know if this is a word. Filmic flair mm-hmm. is unlikely to grace the halls of Hogwarts again. Yet another new creative behind the camera could ensure that the characters, the magic, and the alluring power of the Wizarding World can be restored once more. Yeah. Um, okay, so for those of you who don't know, Mike Newell did Goblet of Fire and Alfonso Cuaron did Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Which, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite movie cinematography. Wise, mm. um, just this like great shift from the first two to the third. Yeah, forward. and I agree. I think that David Yates is not doing the best that this series can do. Yeah, there's certainly problems. Um, but I mean, you can say that about the 
rest of the series. Yeah, well. I think I think what I'm frustrated with is like something that you and like this article has like re- I don't know the right word like revealed to me or whatever. <laughs> um is like he really doesn't care about magic. Yeah. Like the magical aspect like he doesn't care about justifying it. Mm-hmm. More as like, oh, I can use magic to like do this thing. I can use magic to solve this plot. Yeah. Hole. Not even a hole. Make this plot streamlined. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I understand the basis behind that, but I feel like that's really just an easy way, and that's not how we should be doing this, in my opinion, as a fan. Yeah, I just think that like, as fans, we deserve more than just oh, magic is a thing, so I can use it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's like rules and stuff that we've grown to like acknowledge and understand, and I think pretending that they aren't a thing or like pretending that they can just like not be a thing is kind of unfair yeah because like there's this established canon that's like oh my god like 20 years long now so like i feel like we can't change that and we shouldn't change it because it's something that we've accepted like this using of magic willy-nilly just like kind of bothers me yeah and, like, also, like, I don't know if it was just him or also that Rowling was struggling with the screenplay, but, like, just the fact that this movie was so plot-heavy mm-hmm. was just a struggle for me. I didn't, I think the big issue was I didn't feel like there was, like, an overarching plot line. No, not at all. It felt like there was so many minor plot lines. Just, like, humps of plots, and, like, none, none of them escalated or de-escalated anything. Mm-hmm. It was just, like... Because I felt, I felt like the Grindelwald plotline of him creating this rally and bringing Credence into the fold was, like, this overarching plot, but it didn't feel like it was. Like, it felt like that it, was what it was supposed to be, but mm-hmm. then it actually wasn't. Yeah, I, because I don't think it was properly... Um, the exposition of that plotline wasn't done well. Yeah. And then it, be- but then they started talking about it a lot near the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it happened at the end, and then he, yeah, it was just it was not executed well. Yeah, there's a lot of things that were not executed I feel like it, well. It, even if you like shifted scenes around, there could have been a way to make it. Less. Yeah, I agree. Because it felt like we were switching back between so many different viewpoints, which like can work, like, and like the. Um, Game of Thrones does that. Like, they switch yeah. viewpoints a lot, but, like, it still feels like this coherent plot is like there. Like, this narrative is, like, there. Which, like, you don't get yeah. through this movie. And, like, I, yeah, some of that switching in the first movie, mm-hmm. and it was fine. Like, it felt, because there was obviously that overriding plot, but this one, like, you see so many different people's perspectives, but it doesn't feel like they're all working towards one goal or even one plot. Yes. Yeah, everybody seemed very separate. Yeah. Which, like, I guess you could say symbolically that was kind of the point. Like, this isolation mm-hmm. that drives them to make these choices. But, but also it was like, just, like, really hard to follow. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. There, that's those two articles. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our rant for today. <laughs> Tune in next time for more rants. For more rants. Because we're college students, so what else are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Schoolwork wishing. It's finals week, and this is what we decided to do. I have a project due tomorrow. I've done not even half of it. A 12-page essay? I don't know her. A full lighting design? I don't know her. I have no plot. Okay. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening to this episode of Fantastic Rants. If you liked what you heard, come join our Facebook page, Fantastic Rants Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at fantasticrantspodcast at gmail.com. That's F-A-N-T-A-S-T-I-C-R-A-N-T-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. See you next week for another episode full of rants. Lita the Strange attending some kind of high class wizarding ball. Lita dressed in elegant clothes. What? What? <coughs> mm hmm. <laughs>
watches. I feel like we need like a closing. <laughs>